0: from beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles the tnt shop has it all browse our shop now at tntradio.live this is state of the nation on today's news talk tnt radio
1: all right heading into hour two state of the nation right here at today's news talk tntradio.live is our website that's where you find all the good stuff we got the live stream video right there embedded on the front page And of course you can find live video from today's news talk on rumble youtube odyssey and other good live video streaming platforms thank you for joining us out there in the tnt live interactive chat great to see those members over there so if you want to jump in and throw something in uh throw a link in do some opposition research if you want whatever you want to do uh we're happy to have that forum for you over here at today's news talk and of course you want to check out our mobile app our mobile app is absolutely fantastic if you're just listening and i assume video will be coming too if it's not already there i haven't looked at my mobile app today but uh i'm brian McLean. my call signs hesher you may know me as hesher from boiler room and other places but uh i'm broadcasting live out of central texas and i'm here with steve hook who is broadcasting live out of new jersey steve welcome back to state of the nation
2: yeah, brother, it's good to be back. What a great first hour. And as always, it went by in record time. I mean, I don't know what it is about this show, Hash, but it seems like uh, an hour uh, is like uh, like we're in quantum physics here or something. I, I felt like it was just like five minutes ago we got on, but <laughs> there we are. Um, and you know, when we first started talking to uh, to Jeff in that first, uh, first hour, he brought up this, this situation. Uh, in the uh, senate briefing room and oh uh, i, I got to first we'd of all we'd be
1: remiss if we didn't go for it right
2: yeah, yeah we got to bring it up i mean don't we i mean we have <laughs> to talk about it first of all let me just say this i don't know who writes the headlines for uh, free beacon but freebeacon.com has the best headline a race <laughs> yeah, to the a race to the bottom in ben garden's <laughs> office
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh my god uh, when Ben Cardin announced his impending retirement from the Senate in May, the Maryland Democrat expressed his profound thanks to the most dedicated staff in all of Congress. For one staffer, that dedication took on a whole new meaning in a lot of unconventional ways. Friday afternoon, a report in the Spectator revealed that a Cardin, uh, a Ben Cardin aide, maintained a public Twitter account in which he posted pornographic photos and videos including one taken in the Senate hearing room. Uh, and the staffer was a, a political operative with knowledge of the Post told the Washington Free Beacon uh, is a Cardin legislative aide. His name is Aiden Massey Zerboski or Seropski, or whatever. I can't pronounce it. It's Polish. But at any rate, he posted these obscene images under the pseudonym Andrei. Um and I got to tell you, man, this guy was—he uh, went the full Brokeback Mountain, and and, and 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 this 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 was this is the same hearing room that uh, the Mueller report was talked about. James Comey testified there. Uh, 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 Justice Sotomayor was sworn in in this office. In other words, it's a place that we've all seen. It's not some black, uh, back room broom uh, closet. And apparently this guy was posting this stuff uh, on, on a, on a, his Twitter account, which was uh, a bunch of the people inside the beltway that I guess, uh, live, live that lifestyle like to share this stuff back and forth. And man, oh man, of course, now he's coming out, uh, Andre or actually Aiden is his name. Andre was his pseudonym. was his, was his, uh, was his disguise Poor
1: name. Porn porn name,
2: name, yeah, (laughs) and uh, he he came out and said, "Oh, now this is all, this is this is just a a homophobia run amok." And to that, I say, "Yeah, BS." I don't care if it was a a female staffer with her bow. You don't start posting porn videos in the uh, in the Senate, uh, you know, meeting room. There, it was absolutely crazy. You saw that story, right, Ash?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could say I was surprised to have seen it. And we talked about it before the show today, and I wanted to make sure I was straight on one thing. Was this in his office or actually in the Senate room? And it was definitely in the halls of the Senate, um, which is, you know, uh, distasteful. I don't care who's doing it. I don't care who's putting what and what. Uh, not, not a good look, not a good look. If it was his own office, fine. You know, people spend a lot of times in their offices. That is a little bit more sacrosanct, but I don't think sacrosanct fits into this conversation anywhere, Steve.
2: No, no. And it, you know, I mean, it's just been an absolute disastrous, uh, week or two for Democrats. You've got, you've got this going down the old, uh, broke back Senate mountain, uh, and then uh you know you've also I mean who can forget the uh uh the the guy that worked for the nuke agency under the Biden administration that was stealing women's uh clothes from the uh from the airport ba- baggage claim area, and then having the the nerve to to post himself wearing a dress that he stole from a bag. And this is all and I I'm reminded of the fact that um Dr. The good Dr. Jill. Uh, back in 2020, when uh her husband uh was running against Trump, she made a very famous tweet that riled a few people. She goes, decency is on the ballot. Uh <laughs> boy, that that one did not age well. I mean, it was just I, this past summer they had transgenders uh posing their newly uh purchased uh store bought breast, uh and, you know, natural. Just uh, I think there's no morals there
1: yeah uh and their chop tops i mean the the meme wars right now on uh you know instagram TikTok, other uh you know image and video based platforms are brutal absolutely brutal i'm glad you brought up sam brinton the non-binary biden official arrested over stolen luggage three times if i recall and even one of my favorite things in that whole saga steve was Uh, The woman from Africa, the clothing designer from South Africa, I believe, who said, that is my dress. He stole that from me. (laughs) It's a one of a kind. I made it. Here's a picture of me in it. That was fan freaking tastic Hey, do you have an upcoming community event? rally a march a festival or maybe even a fundraiser that could use with some free publicity well tnt would love to promote it for you all you got to do is visit our what's on events calendar on the tnt radio website and submit your event details and we'll get the word out on tnt radio
0: it's the stuff what citizen wouldn't want to make american great people are talking about it's vilifying mago it's just not gonna work today's news talk radio tnt
1: Homelessness in the United States has risen significantly and is breaking records, according to a new report from the Department of Housing and Urban Development, the HUD, which found that about 653,000 people are homeless. The highest count since reporting began in 2007. Here with Story, joining us once again is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark. Ruckus, the homelessness continues to explode. What's the latest
3: yeah, up 12% over just one year, apparently. So good old HUD um, used what they call quote unquote point in time estimates, uh, which reported the number of people in shelters, those in temporary housing and those simply unsheltered. The report found that 653,000 individuals were experiencing homelessness on a single night in January 2023, a 12% increase from 2022. The rise represents 70,650 more homeless. The new number represents the largest number of homeless people in the country since the agency began surveying such data in 2007. HUD blamed the rise on a post-pandemic expiration of resources after the department claimed funding prevented a rise in homelessness between 2020 and 2022. However, homelessness among families who have children saw the greatest increase at 15.5%, while homeless veterans increased by 7.4%. More than half of those who are homeless reportedly lived in just four states, I bet you could probably guess all four. Uh well actually maybe 3 out of 4. California, New York, Washington, and Florida. Uh, at the same time, HUD pointed to mostly Texan cities as places where homelessness has been curtailed as part of government programs. For example, the government agency stated that Dallas city and county saw a quote small dis small decrease of 3.8% in overall homelessness, as well as a 14% decrease in unsheltered homelessness and 32% decrease in chronic homelessness between 2022 and 2023, end quote. It also cited San Antonio and Houston, Texas as examples. As well, San Jose, Santa Clara City, and Watsonville, Santa Cruz City, California, were touted as success stories. Homelessness, Homeless individuals decreased by 1.2% 1 1. in Santa Clara County and dropped by 4.7% in the city limits of San Jose, while the Santa Cruz area saw a 21.5% decrease in homelessness. The latter, uh, as explained by HUD, was due to, quote, significant influx on resources from federal and state government agencies in the wake of the COVID 19 pandemic, end quote. Uh, Secretary Marsha L. Fudge said, quote, homelessness is solvable and should not exist in the United States. From day one, this administration has put forth a comprehensive plan to tackle homelessness and we've acted aggressively and in conjunction with our federal, state, and local partners to address this challenge, end quote. Carrie Lake, candidate for U.S. Senate, blamed Joe Biden's policies for fueling the homelessness crisis. Lake also noted that Democrat Representative Ruben Gallego's district in Phoenix, Arizona has been particularly plagued with homelessness. She wrote, quote, in Joe Biden's America, it's almost impossible to pay rent or afford a home. Homelessness nationwide just reaches reached its highest reported level at 12%. Nowhere in Arizona is this more obvious than Ruben Gallego's district, end quote. HUD noted that Tucson, Arizona has had a quote, 9% reduction in unsheltered homelessness, as well as a slight 1% decrease in overall homelessness, end quote, again from 2022. To 2023. So there's some of the breakdowns. I encourage folks, if they want to see all the deets, to check out the report from the HUD. Uh, But what do you gents think about this?
1: Okay, first off, uh, doing that whole blame the post-pandemic blah, blah, blah. No, I'm not putting up with that. I'm not hearing that. Get out of here with that. Don't even want to hear it. Uh, It may be a factor, but trying to shift blame to something like that at this point is ridiculous sure there's some fallout effect but uh it's ricochet effect now uh so that's poppycock and then you think about that percentage right that's that's 70,650 more people this year that is a lot of people that's the entire i went to Coachella once that had about 70,000 people there Just imagine, it kind of felt like I was in a homeless camp. But that's a huge, huge number of people right there. Um, And and you mentioned some of the cities there uh, with those decreases. San Antonio gets a shout out because they actually try to do something about their homeless population, and they have shown some success, and there's documentaries about that. Um, As far as, like, Watsonville, Santa Cruz, and Santa Clara, I'm sorry. Their, their homeless people simply went to a different county. They did not solve the problem. There's just too many of them. When Santa Cruz filled up, Monterey started to get the, the urchins, the trimmigrants, the gypsies, the homeless, all, all of it, you name it, the, the the crusties, everything. So I assume the same thing is happening in many of these places. What do you think, Steve?
2: I think it's a, you know, I think it's another case of a self-inflicted wound, is what I think. I think when you have a wide-open southern border, you're welcoming the poorest of the poor uh, from the Western Hemisphere, and for that matter, from other places. Because now we know that it's not just, uh, it, it's not just, you know, uh, Hondurans and Mexicans crossing that border. But when you invite the the poorest of the poor, uh, guess what? You're going to end up with more homelessness. Uh, it kind of stands to reason, doesn't it? I'm reminded of a quote by Ben Franklin, and this kind of addresses this to a degree. He says, I'm all for doing good for the poor, but I think the best way of doing good for the poor is not making them easy in poverty, but leading them or driving them out of it. I observed that the more public provisions were made for the poor, the less they provided for themselves and, of course, became poorer. And on the contrary, the less that was done for them, the more they did for themselves and they became richer now that may sound like a cold attitude uh and it and maybe it is to a degree but when it comes to the americans that are homeless i think that's where we need to focus our attention and specifically veterans um but it it, it it's a self-inflicted wound and it's an intentionally self-inflicted wound uh it seems to me that what the uh what the republic or the democrats rather and the biden administration specifically are doing is they're growing their base, and by their base, I mean their poverty base. Naturally, you're going to see more homelessness. Uh, something's got to give, uh, and um, it's just it's it's tragic uh, to see all these people homeless. But especially our veterans. For God's sakes, we gotta we gotta do something for them. Uh, yeah. This is just such a such a maddening story, especially this time of year. You hate to hear this kind of stuff.
1: Yes, and we're losing 20 to 30 veterans a day to suicide right now. So think about that as you think about these massive numbers of homeless people. And it's sending a message to young people also. Young people aren't very smart with math uh, because of Common Core math. Thanks a lot for that, Department of Education. But they are smart enough with math to realize Zoomers and uh, you know Gen Zeros, they're now realizing, I'm not going to be able to afford a house, a car and education, all these things that, you know what I mean? They don't even want to work. They're just sitting around waiting for the next collapse in the UBI to fall into their bank account. Ruckus, anything further on this?
3: Well, for what it's worth, because it's confusing to me, they did say that the rise in homelessness was driven mostly by a sharp increase in the number of people experiencing homelessness for the first time. Um, apparently, between the years, fiscal years 2021 and 2022, the number of people who became newly homeless soared by 25 percent. But, um, I don't know how they, they do all of this stuff, guys, because there's a lot to consider here. Like you mentioned, um, people flooding our country, um, you know, immigration, how that affects it. I'm not sure. Uh, but wouldn't an increase in homelessness kind of imply that there's new people becoming homeless maybe i'm just speaking the obvious but i don't know but either way you look at it it's no bueno as we say it's not good
1: yeah well we saw plenty of lives ruined by covid that's for sure and to blame it on covid money instead of covid policy is pure folly pure stupidity all right thank you ruckus we'll look forward to speaking with you again tomorrow right here on state of the nation at today's news talk tnt radio
0: tnt radio's joe hoff just a terrible situation there and biden was behind it pushing these arms pushing billions of dollars over there we don't know where that money
1: went i'll bet you money i'll bet you a huge percent on went i bet you more than 50 percent didn't go to the uh to the people or to the war uh, it went to people's pockets kind of like
4: what we have in in uh, palestine uh um, with the U.S. since, since well, under Biden, uh, Trump shut this down, thank God. But under Biden, Obama, they started sending billions over to uh, that part of the world. These people are at, have been after Israel forever, and,
1: and uh, supported by Iran, and billions of dollars going their way, and uh, to help them uh, you know, basically. Uh, Create chaos in the Middle East, terrorism, and and we saw what happened earlier this year, about a month ago, uh, the two-one attack in Israel and the death and destruction, rape and kidnapping, more than 240 people
0: kidnapped. Joe Hoff on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars. It's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to TNTradio.live. If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
2: Okay, and we're back with State of the Nation. Our next guest, Dr. Mark Mostert, is a senior researcher at Able Americans. The National Center's Project Sporting uh, Americans Living with Intellectual, Developmental, and Physical Disabilities. Uh, and he's got an article out called People with Disabilities Thrive When Free of Stifling Bureaucracy. Now, Dr. Mostert, first of all, welcome to State of the Nation. I think that statement is probably true of all people, but it's certainly even more so true of folks living with disabilities. Why do you you... Uh, go over some of this stifling bureaucracy and regulations that's that's crushing us
4: yeah thanks for having me on this this is very important you know a lot gets said in the world about people with disabilities uh and how we should care for them make them more visible uh equity and all that kind of fun stuff but when you actually look at the behemoth that is disability related activism and services you find uh, ironically that many of these large bureaucracies and organizations actually marginalize the, marginalized the very people that they are meant to help. And the, the piece I wrote was about uh, the International Day of Disability, which is on December 3rd every year, that was instituted by the UN in 1992. And the idea of the day is to be more aware of people with disabilities, to be more inclusive, so on and so forth. So in and of itself, a fairly nice little thing. But disabilities uh, at the international level is pretty much the purview of the United Nations and UNESCO, those World Health Organization, those kind of groups who have these vast bureaucracies that they set in place, ostensibly to help people. And I think in, in, in many ways with good intentions, but it doesn't work out that way. So in 2006, the UN came up with a treaty, a formal treaty, the Convention on the Rights of, of People with Disabilities. And the treaty or the convention basically laid out the roadmap of what should happen with people with disabilities going forward. And it's a great list. There's things like in poverty, no more hunger, safety and security. I mean, things that when you read, you say, gee, that's great. I can agree with all of that. So what they did with the convention was to say to country governments, you need to sign on to this because it's going to make you look diplomatically very, very good. It's going to show that you're forward looking about disability issues, so on, so on, so forth. So countries fell over themselves to sign on to this treaty and only after the fact, unfortunately, decided and understood that they had to meet certain metrics to these goals in the years going forward. 17 years since the convention was brought into being, panic is happening at the UN in New York because many of these countries, particularly in the developing world, are not able to meet any of these goals at all. It's simply not there. So you have a massive bureaucracy with wonderful things to say, and it's all just dissipated in the pipe dream of good hope and you know, hanging on to the future without much of a plan on the ground. The bureaucracies take the money, they have incredible layers of bureaucracy, and then the money doesn't go where it's needed, and that is to people with disabilities who really could do with that kind of support.
1: Yeah, and then to boot, on top of that, you've got Big Pharma, you've got a Brand new, shiny pandemic industrial complex that have appeared. Well, they've been there lurking all along, but now they're here, you know, with full force of the mass media cartel to tell you how they're going to fix the problem. And many of these problems come from that systemic system that you're talking about here this bureaucracy because it's pumping all these drugs into people it's not addressing root causes it's not looking at pure health it's not looking at holistic systems diet i could go on and on toxicity levels from the environment so i mean this this has got to be uh, i mean how does that play a factor into the fight in your advocacy
4: Well, yeah, at ABLE Americans, uh, uh, in in the National Center for Public Policy Analysis, we, this is a brand new program, by the way, we are looking at saying, specifically at government in the U.S., does the U.S. government, particularly through Health and Human Services, provide the best possible bang for the buck to people with disabilities? Now, as we all know, the answer is no. We understand that. But getting to those policies and critiquing them is what we want to do. Say, look, you've got policy A. That's meant to help people with disabilities. But just like the UN, it actually on the ground does not help people with disabilities. And you're right. When you get other corporations involved, so you have HHS, then you have big pharma and big whatever you want to talk about. It all kind of blobs together, to use a very (laughs) clinical term. And you can never see a way out of the morass. I have horror stories of people with disabilities who've tried to access government services that are incredibly badly needed. And you know what? They simply can't get through the bureaucracy. They call 20 different people, they get 20 different answers and they never get the help. That's what we're aiming to do.
2: You know, Dr. Mozart, I I, I remember um, when the big push for Obamacare was going through, uh, and all I kept saying on my my radio program back in that back in the day was, be careful what you wish for because big government is not the panacea that you think it is. You mentioned in the lead-in that the U.N. came up with this and it sounded good and people signed on because it was a uh, checking the virtue box. And But uh, what ends up happening is you get more and more paper pushers, more bureaucracy, and less and less help for the folks that need it. And I think the VA was kind of a canary in the coal mine for what public health looks like. And if it were the canary in the coal mine, it's dead. And it hadn't done a damn thing for the uh, for the for the veterans. And I think that's to your point,
4: that's the bureaucracy talking, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right. And and so when you look at at, at again, this bureaucracy of the UN and people with disabilities uh, and certainly the VA with many patients with disabilities, what you find is they give money to the countries and say here the money comes from the international monetary fund fund the world bank corporations they fund these massive this massive network of non-governmental organizations ngos in a country right all these ngos have their own personal agendas their own political agendas then and certainly i can speak about africa because i'm from south africa then you run into corruption on the ground then you run into violence famine war instability uh, all kinds of horrible things that preclude the help getting to people with disabilities. And I, I, as in the piece, I said, I, I guarantee you, I've spent a lot of time at the UN, unfortunately, I'll guarantee you, we're going to have emergency meetings, proclamations, uh, side events at major conventions and on and on about hand-wringing about, how do we meet these goals? The truth is, A major bureaucracy can't do that. What you need to do is from the grassroots up. And you have to start with things like getting rid of corruption, getting rid of famine, war, instability in society. Then maybe we've got a chance. Other than that, I'm not very positive at all.
1: Yeah, and I don't know that the UN's roadmap is the one that's going to actually get us there. This feels like the kind of thing that we the people, citizens of the United States, citizens of the globe, should be able to do for one another, for each other, for ourselves, and institute systems that will continue that as we all go through different phases of life here and deal with different disabilities, challenges, health matters, and such. Now, uh, Dr. Mark Mostert is our guest Dr. Mark, please hold the line. We have a headline inbound here with today's news talk. We'll pick up right here on the other side. This is State of the Nation on TNT Radio.
3: Really big, big, big,
2: big,
0: the biggest breaking news story. Big, gigantic, big, enormous. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Israeli forces discovered a large
1: tunnel built by Hamas stretching from Gaza to the border with Israel. This tunnel, reinforced with concrete and iron girders, was designed to transport groups of terrorists and extend to a depth of 50 meters, with dimensions of 3 meters in height and width. According to former Ukrainian ambassador to the UK, Vadim Bershko, British military leaders are discreetly preparing plans to deploy troops to Ukraine if the conflict with Russia escalates significantly.
0: Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio.
1: Dr. Mark Mostert is our guest. Now, Dr. Mostert, I'm curious. You know, you said something in that previous segment before the headline there that really kind of perked my ears up when you were speaking about the U.N., you said they came up with something that sounded good at the time. Oh boy, could we just insert? We could do Mad Libs with that for inserting policies and billions of dollars into things that sounded good at the time. And I can't help but think about the World Health Organization right now because they're working on, you know, the the, the horrible Tedros and crew and Gates and all their buddies in the CCP. They're working on. Uh, What's colloquially termed as a pandemic treaty, uh, and they want multiple sovereign nations to sign on to this pandemic treaty, which would uh, give them more power and remove more sovereignty from nations and states and human beings. Um, what do you think about this thing and, and how could that make this even worse? Because you're we're talking about a Venn diagram of systems of systems of things right here that add too much bureaucracy. What happens when the globalist overlay gets put on top of it?
4: Well, that's exactly right, because because what what this is all about in the end is uh, power masquerading as do-goodism, right? You think about the UN. When when you're in a room full of international diplomats and heads of state, it's a very heady brew. To be quite honest right everyone's got security everyone's dressed to the lions here's this powerful person from europe this powerful person from the far east and it's great and all they do is talk and talk and talk and i think your point is really good aside from that all the underlying and and undergirding agendas is where the damage gets done when the diplomats are talking wonderful stuff that's great but those bureaucrats those 30 year old 30 year career people in all of these places whether you're talking about big pharma whether you're talking about whatever they run the show and by the way that's one reason why the us has not signed this disability treaty because they figured out if we did we would then be holding to international rules that maybe we didn't like but i don't think getting involved in that uh, helps us and the people where it should on the ground level. How does signing this treaty in New York help a poor little girl in Tanzania who ha- has albinism, who gets her arm chopped off because that's taken off as a magic, as a magic piece of her body to do who knows what with? How does that help her? It doesn't, but I'll tell you what, it does help fancy and glitzy parties at the UN. Uh, you know, very expensive ballroom dinners. That's where the money goes. And on the ground, it's, 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 it's fascinating on the ground, the amount of money that's spent on quote unquote infrastructure and resources. You see people riding around in, in, certainly in South Africa where I'm from, in these massive SUVs, you know, with UN on the side, brand new vehicles that I'm sure cost $100,000 a piece, right? That's what they do. They ride around and every now and again, they'll get out and pat some poor little kid on the head and nothing ever gets done. But the layers of bureaucracy in all these edifices, is where the trouble starts. I, I mean, you look at the Biden administration, perfect example, right? I don't think there's anybody that I know, uh, and this is my opinion, uh, thinks that Biden is running the country at this point. Well, who is? It's it's the bureaucrats who've been there for 20, 30 years, they know the dance, and none of it, none of it helps you or me as people who enjoy freedom, who want freedom, and see it being encroached upon every day. Yeah, well, but what you've just described,
2: Dr. Mostert, is- uh, what we euph- euphemistically refer to as the deep state. Uh, in this case, though, of course, it's a uh, on a global scale. These bureaucrats are the same. I don't care if they're from Washington D.C. or 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 you know Berlin or London, wherever. Are these bureaucracies never do what they claim to do? Boy, but they love to check the virtue boxes. And and you know, power protects power. Uh, and, and it seems that what you're saying, it it sounds like, is. We need to get a little bit more local with this, uh, with this uh, care for folks with disabilities, just folks in general, really go to where the problem is and deal with it there, as opposed to having a whole bunch of, oh, we're going to be having our lavender martinis in the, uh, you know, in the East room of the UN. And we're going to discuss, you know, the shaman's work on a little girl without, uh, you know, as you mentioned in Tanzania that doesn't do a damn thing. Do the problem, deal with the problem in Tanzania. I mean, how how do you deal with this? Obviously your your point is well made, but how do we, how do we get to that point where we
4: can get the power structure out of it? Well, first of all, you you have to, you know, the old cliche about speaking truth to power, you have to go into these organizations and you have to partially become a creature of the organization until you can get into a position of power to say, where did this money go? Why can't you account for it? And why should we give it to you again? You don't see any of that happening. As you say, drinking the martinis, that's where all the deals get made. We've got absolutely accountability is the key. Okay, you gave country X a billion dollars. Where's the money? And what do they have to show for it? Okay. On the ground, on, uh, at the grassroots level, you have to talk to people in the community and saying, how can we help you? Because a lot of the stuff that NGO is doing is for the NGOs. That's what they're doing it for. They turn up with their bright, shiny beads and everyone's like, oh, okay, we'll go along with it if we want to, but it's not addressing the need. And I just want to uh, mention a related point that I think is incredibly important. You know, we hear a lot in this world today, in this work world about how all cultures are equal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and you can't be judgmental. Let me tell you something. One of the biggest way we, ways we can talk to this, certainly in the developing world, is to break down the culture of uh, negativity that comes with having a disability. I mean, I mentioned Tanzania, there's several other countries in Africa where, People with albinism now are pretty much kept in, not concentration camps, but in protective camps because people kill them f- because they they, th- they consider them ghosts. That needs to be broken down. If you look at the medical professions in these countries, the medical people all have these incredible biases against people with disabilities. That's where we need to start. When we go to a doctor and the doctor says, well, your not- life is not worth saving because you have disability X. That's the place to step in and say, uh-uh, no, no, no. you can't do that. You can't discriminate based on this. And you have to fight that one thing at a time. That's not the whole picture, but I think that would be a good place to start. Yeah,
1: yeah, I agree. And in our last minute or so, I mean, it's it shouldn't be difficult to follow the money, right? Like you go into an NGO or any, you know, insert bureaucracy here, look at what their annual budget was, look at what they did to it. I'm sure you've probably explored this. What percentage of these budgets actually go towards, uh, policies that help the people they're intended to help rather than be a self-licking ice cream cone for an NGO or a bureaucracy.
4: Yeah, I wouldn't give you, I wouldn't be able to give you a proportion, but I can tell you a significant amount of any money going to any NGO does not get to the people that was supposed to help. Um, because so much time is spent on things like, you know, um, having reflective sessions at a five star hotel, all this nonsense and then swooping in. And again, I think this is kind of racist in many ways, swooping into some African country and saying, you know, we're here to save you because we know exactly what you want. And the poor people on the ground are like, uh, no, that's not what we need. Sorry, uh, we need something else. So I, I think, yeah, all of this, all, all of this together means and my heart, I have a passion for people with disabilities, I did that as an academic career for 35 years, is the help is not getting through, the biases are so strong in, in many of these countries, the corruption is so bad. There's another good point, in corruption, in judicial and financial corruption, and as you talked about, yeah, you can go to NGOs and you can certainly see where the money went, but I'll guarantee you when you get to the end of the spigot, you will find that a lot of that money cannot be accounted for. It's either disappeared or it's gone into things that are completely irrelevant. That whole structure, again, also needs to be rectified. Another very bureaucratic structure, obviously. That does sound like what needs to be done here. And I think you said it, doctor,
2: speaking truth to power, uh, auditing these these NGOs, auditing these bureaucracies and, and saying, look, uh, here you go. This is what we set aside for you. Go uh, show me the receipts. Where, where did it go? Because if you're going to start showing me receipts for uh, state dinners, uh, and, and and you know, and lobster bakes, we're going to have a problem uh, and we're not going to give you the money anymore. I mean, it, it does seem to be just such a problem that could be so easily overcome. But here you go. The human condition comes in, doesn't it,
4: doctor? And the greed comes in and all that other garbage that goes with it. Yes, it all does. And unfortunately, there's not enough people willing to stand up and speak about this stuff. If many people who, certainly in the activist community, would stand up and say, where where, where are the things that we were promised? You have this policy, Where the, the money's gone there, the money's there, I can't access it. That's what we at ABLE Americans are doing. We're going to start hammering, for example, HHS, the Health and Human Services uh, people, to say, you guys are not doing the job, and we just discovered why, and you need to change this policy because it's not working.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Very well said, sir. And thank you for your perspective. This is such an important topic. We all know someone or maybe maybe you are someone that's dealing with this. You know, we've spoken to people from, you know, uh, dealing with the VA to dealing with their insurance agency and they get a lot of that. Well, it's not our problem; it's Their problem. Call them. Call them. Oh, it's not either of our problem. Call the third party before you know it people are giving up and they're having a hard time and it's the holidays right now. So we're here to inject a little bit of common sense and a little bit of hope into this time of year in particular, but this needs to be something that is fixed 365 24 seven. We've had yeah. enough of it. I don't like seeing veterans rolling around on their rascals looking cold outside the VA in my town. It just feels wrong. It just feels so wrong. So, Uh, Thank you so much for joining us here on State of the Nation. Dr. Mark Mostert, where's the best place for people to keep up with you?
4: Uh, They can keep up with me at the the, the National Center for Public Policy Analysis. And uh, Able Americans is one of the four major projects we have going. We'd love you to join us, sign up for our newsletter
1: all right excellent so get on over there and help dr mark Mostert out and his colleagues in this wonderful endeavor this is state of the nation on today's news talk tnt
0: radio de-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective
1: there are big changes
5: going on in the overall global weather pattern over the next 15 to 20 days exactly opposite of what happened last year the united states overall is going to become a big focal point for winter weather europe also again once we get past this transition from the 20th through the 30th. So Europe is warmed up, but a lot of cold is coming, it looks to me, like January, February, and the US may have another bout with Snowmageddon, especially in the eastern part of the United States. But this is all part of this climate hypothesis I've developed due to underwater volcanic activity. And I've gone over this a couple of times and it's pretty hard to do it in a minute or two, so I'm not gonna review it. But what we said over a month ago was that there was going to be a lot of damaging storms from the El Nino this year, the Gulf of Mexico up the East Coast. And we got another one coming. We already saw Florida blasted back on November 17th. Well, here comes the next one. But I also said, look out for the hurricane season from hell next hurricane season. That's already on my radar. And if you want to read about it, you go to weatherbell.com. It's not behind the paywall. And you can take a look at what I'm looking at with that. But none of this is part of man-made climate change. That's why I like getting out in front. Because if you look at the readings that I've been doing and actually look at what I've been writing about all this, you find that there is a reason behind it and it has nothing to do with CO2 emissions. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got.
6: Here's a bushfire fact. Bushfires can occur without warning. So, if you're travelling during bushfire season, here are three simple steps to remember. 1. Check the fire danger rating before you go. The higher the fire danger rating, the more dangerous the conditions. It may be safer to re-plan your trip. 2. Think about the area you're going to and what you would do if a fire started. How would you escape the area if you needed to? And where would you go? Check if there's a neighborhood safer place. Three, it's dangerous to drive through smoke or fire. If you can't find a way to avoid the fire, park in a cleared area, face the car towards the fire, and turn the engine off. Then lie on the floor and cover yourself to protect yourself from radiant heat. Live bushfire ready. For more helpful tips, visit myfireplan.com.au today.
0: You're with Brian McLean and Steve Hook and State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: We endeavor to find some Americana, some tradition, some hope, some goodwill, and more in the Christmas holiday season here at State of the Nation. This week... Our final segments will reflect that sentiment. Thanks to our wonderful producer, Kimberly. And for today's segment, we're going to talk about having hope over the holidays, which we think fits really well into today's discussion. We lose too much around Christmas in many cases. We lose too many depression, suicide, guilt, shame often dominate one's internal dialogue during the holidays, as pointed out by our our guest in the first hour. Um, And how not to lose hope how to endeavor how to persevere how to fight through what may be an oppressive negativity that can come to the surface that's what we're interested in today and here to discuss is reverend c l bryant who was a founding tea party member also host of the cl bryant show and is featured in the movie runaway slave reverend bryant thank you for joining us here on state of the nation Give, give us your take on those questions. How do we not lose hope? How do we persevere if the holidays seem to play into guilt, shame, or other negative emotions?
7: As Americans, there's always reason for us to hope. And I certainly thank you uh, for having me on today. My pleasure to be here with you. Americans have hope that's built into our founding documents. And those documents uh, give to us what's called an endowment. And it tells us uh, from our founders that we are endowed uh, as citizens of this country with certain unalienable rights. And those rights mean a lot of things. And in those rights are contained our hope for now and, and the future. And those rights are life, liberty, and the ability to pursue our happiness. And in that, if Americans don't forget who we are, and what we're about, which of course is being brainwashed out of our children and their birthright is being stolen uh, because of the brainwashing. But we cannot forget, Americans, who we are and what type of endowment we have. Don't forget the great endowment that our founders gave to each of us who have become citizens of this country.
2: Well said, well said. Ah, uh, Reverend Bryant. Uh, Steve Hook here. And I, first of all, I want to say it's it's great to see you. Uh, you were on my old program back when Runaway Slave came on. Goodness, well, that was uh, ten or 11, 12 years ago thereabouts. Uh, but it's great to see you, uh, as opposed to just hear you. Um, we are on the holiday season now, and you know this is. We were talking to our our first guest of the uh, show was Kristen Christie, and she was talking about how it's important to. To, to 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 she said, hunt for the good things. Essentially, look for the positive. Uh, I, I, I look for the silver lining. And I think you're right. You bring up a great point. Where our especially our young kids today and and our and 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 the younger generations are being brainwashed, and it's not looking for the good things. It's these are the reasons you should feel bad about who you are, where you live, and the history of your nation. Um. I think, I think that is a horrible message, and your message seems to be so much more positive. I, I'm wondering if you're seeing this in in, in the communities, uh, and not just the Black community, but when you go around and you talk, and I know you do you do your radio show, are you starting to see people get a little bit more, not, maybe not about the way politics are running nowadays, but hopeful for the future?
7: There is, Stephen, a awakening that is happening in America. I, I still crisscross the country. Uh, regularly, almost once a month, uh, speaking somewhere in the country. And, of course, we do the show. And what I have seen is, uh, in some cases, despair. But in other cases, you do see an awakening that is taking place, especially among uh, Black folks. What Runaway Slave was able to do, uh, as you mentioned, 10, 11 years ago now, was uh, prepare a pathway for a uh, people of my type of uh, conservative thought who happen to be Black in this country to find their way out of the closet. And it took a while to get to where we are now, but when you look at a uh, a 12-point shift in Black support for a candidate like Donald Trump, you have to say that there is an evolution and there is an awakening that is going on. But the problem has been uh, that that I have seen, and I'm a former president of the NAACP in Garland, Texas, 30 years ago when my political life, over 30 years ago now, when my political life was different and my political viewpoint was different, I awakened. There was something that awakened in me, a light came on. And the, the same light that came on in my head, we thought it would be necessary to turn that light on for others. And so we created the film, Runaway Slave. And you can watch it on Tubi. If you have Tubi, you can watch it on Tubi. And one of the things that we have found is that people sometimes, Steve, prefer darkness because there's comfort there. And you can can not be seen there. And you can do crazy uh, things there in the darkness. But we are trying to expose light and you see the opposition and how it comes at us in such venomous ways. And so this is what's happening, is that there is a war that is being raged against, and yes, I, I'll, I'll say it, good, and there are there's evil that is happening in this world. We see the atrocities in Israel, we see what's happening with the aggression of the Russians and the Chinese, but yet America stands strong, but I don't know how much longer we can stand strong with the type of leadership that we have in the White House, and yes, in Congress overall. Although my good friend Mike Johnson, yeah, has become Speaker of the House. Yeah,
1: yep, yeah, that one. definitely helps. that that is uh, worth mentioning. I'm glad you mentioned that. Now, I was uh, doing some show prep today and I was watching you speak about the American dream as an evolution and and you took it from sort of a generational perspective on what it meant for different people at different times in all of our timelines whether that's you and me whether that's our fathers our grandfathers our grandmothers you know uncles whatever um and you said something in that that really struck me you know it struck a chord you said and i think the quote was if you dream long enough you can make that happen uh can you expand on that a little bit because i found that to be pretty inspirational My
7: grandfather was an illiterate man, but he was very wise. He was a farmer, cut pulp wood as well. And I'd go down and help him set um, fence posts in the summertime. I was very Afrocentric at the time. I had a a huge Afro as well uh, back then. And uh, I came down the old country road uh, to the farm that I still have. I still own it. Uh, Been in our family for uh, 150 years since right after slavery. And uh, grandpa heard me playing uh, an old James Brown song, Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud. And so when I pulled up on the place and got out uh, to go help him, he strode toward me. And I could tell that there was something wrong uh, with him and something that uh, he had on his mind. And when he got close enough to me, he put his very hard pulpwood cutting finger in my face. And he said, I did not go through all that I went through so that you could be black he said that i went through all that i went through so that you could be free and so my generation even though we sometimes try to steal the valor of those who actually fought the war and paid the price uh, my grandfather paid that price by sometimes having to get off the sidewalk when uh, people who were Caucasians were coming down it. He paid that price. My father and mother paid that price by bringing Dr. King or helping bring Dr. King to Shreveport, Louisiana in 1959, Galilee Baptist Church, a historical monument. We were members there my whole, whole lifetime. They paid the price. But yet we're trying to, or at least our educators are trying to convince our children that somehow here in 2023, we are living in the 60s and the late 50s in this country, or even go back to the 30s. That is a lie. I lived through the late, the 60s. I I was only eight years old when the 64, 65 uh, uh, civil rights bills were passed. I've written on the back of buses. I have drank from color and white water fountains. And I'm not telling anyone, even my films or whatever we're doing, something someone told me or something I heard, or something I read. I'm telling you what I saw. And this is not 1964. This is certainly not 1954. America has evolved to a place where the color of your skin does not even keep you from being president of the United States. And so what then can the color of your skin keep you from doing in America if you don't want, if you want to do it? The only problem yeah. is you're being told you can't because of the color of your skin or your ethnicity.
2: Yeah. and, and You know, I, that is so well said. I, and it does seem to me that, and, and we have talked about it on this program uh, many times, Reverend Bryant, is that uh, we have this, uh, and it's kind of pounded into our heads now, uh, oppressor, oppressed, oppressor, oppressed, whatever it is. There's got to be that dividing line, and it seems like the left is clinging on to that by their fingernails now because more and more people, such as yourself, the scales are falling from their eyes. Uh, I know that one of the big podcasts in the uh, uh, in the urban community is Charlemagne the God. He has come out and said quite forcefully that uh, Biden ain't going to do it. And we better get it, get it done for ourselves. and we better stand up for ourselves. And we're seeing this more and more. we've uh, i've I've spoken with Alvida King, and uh, she has said very much the same thing that you're saying right now. Uh, I, I color can't keep you down. only you can keep you down. but it does seem, and it's not just color. it could be sexual orientation or whatever. you know, just choose your choose your uh, identity politic group you want to align with. It does seem like this one particular political, uh, party more than any other really plays that game all the time and it's almost the only card they've got in the deck and i'm not just about the race card it could be the gay card it could be whatever card but they play it a lot you think people are waking up to it though huh
7: and they're waking up because shows like yours have the guts to say what is real and what's true america has gotten caught up in a fantasy land Elvita's a very good friend of mine in fact she's in Uh, my film, Runaway Slave, along with Dr. Thomas Sowell and and others, Uh, Andrew Breitbart, uh, one of his final appearances was in my film. And so I I certainly um, uh, do believe that there is a new message that is being crafted and the seeds had been planted, even though in this film was planted a long time ago, but you're beginning to see them begin to sprout up and uh, you're beginning to see the fruit that come from it. and and the work that we do you and I and 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 Brian the, the work that we do uh, many times we don't necessarily get credit for what we do you do know that you were there in the inception you do know that there are words that you spoke 11 12 years ago on on the the, the speaking camp on the speaking campuses and and the circuit that you're hearing being regurgitated now because you have a product a film that you did make that contains so many thoughts by Herman Cain and and people like him uh, that we can't forget. And uh, Dr. Thomas Sowell is one of the greatest minds that I think America has ever been able uh, to hear. And he's in our film. And this is what he tells us. He says to Black America, under slavery itself, there were more children born to two-parent homes than there are today. And that I have researched it. It is absolutely true. What has gone wrong? We have taken some type of course that liberals uh, and people who have no moral compass have led us down a path that we have no business on.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Reverend C.L. Bryant, uh, my goodness, it's been very inspirational to have you today. I wish we had more time. We'll have to have you back. I hope that you and your family and all your listeners and viewers out there have a great Christmas and uh, of course check out the cl bryant show you can get that on the apple app store or where good podcasts are found cl bryant we'll have you back on again real soon thank you for everything thank you for joining steve and i here on state of the nation merry TNT christmas radio merry christmas merry
7: christmas and thank you both god bless thank
1: you all right stay tuned for misty winston right here on tnt radio